Rose said nothing to oppose it, while Maker considered it a disastrous step to take. For one thing, women didn't upset the apple cart like that. The vicious world outside of marriage was hard enough for men to deal with alone. My mother would find herself in the position of the indigent actresses he had known at the hotel, not just the young women struggling to succeed, but the older ones, washed up and washed out, alcoholic and alone. That fate was what he had tried to save my mother from when she was a girl. True, he had opposed the marriage to Monroe, a point that I heard my mother remind her father of over the phone when Maker was obviously lashing out at her over her decision to leave my father. On the phone, or fighting with her father on his visits to our home, or on ours to his, whispering with her mother in another room so loudly that my brother and I could hear every word Lola handled her pain the only way she knew how, by performing it, so that everyone, friend or foe, became part of her crisis. Still, Maker reminded her, Monroe had come through in the end. They had a nice house in the suburbs, far from the crime-ridden city. They had two nice children, though the oldest child locked himself in his room playing loud music, and stayed out late drinking with his friends. But that, Maker admonished my mother, was her fault for letting the marriage get so out of hand that she had no time left over for her sons. If Monroe had stumbled, as Maker once predicted he would, at least he had learned his lesson. Already he was begging her not to leave him, vowing that he would return them to the solid financial footing they had once enjoyed. My mother's retort to her father was simple and based on the following facts. After the sheriff's visit to our house, my father announced to my mother his plans to use some legal maneuver that he might well have imagined to take out a second mortgage on the house. This way, he explained, he could fulfill his obligation to Albatross and get out from underneath the debt that was crippling them. They might, he added, even have some money left over to take a vacation or buy a new car for my mother. This was too much for my mother to tolerate. Thanks to my father's run of good luck when the real estate market was booming, they were only a few years away from paying off their original mortgage. Taking out a second mortgage would rob them of equity that would be available to them in their retirement. It would endanger them for a second time, placing a sword over their heads much like the draw. But my father was insistent, exuberantly making his case. He was itching for a second chance. It was several years since he had replaced the Electra with a new model. The sleeves on his suits were beginning to shine with wear, his shoes were buckling in at the toe. It wasn't just the pressures of his past and an escapist imagination that were driving him toward yet another disastrous decision. The artist in him, the pianist and the uncompleted painter, needed freedom from restraint. His human wealth required just enough money to remove the encumbrances on his spirit. Out of the welter of self-destructive impulses came these healthy promptings, that he could not have been aware of or able to put into words, but that were as much a part of him as his guilt and self-doubt. He possessed another superlative quality, too. He was kind. Other men, the men he had worked with in real estate, got rewarded for their cold-heartedness and often for their dishonesty, while he, Monroe Siegel, who had never hurt and would never hurt anyone, had to groan and stumble through life simply because he could not operate at a similar distance from his feelings. Did not kindness deserve an income? After several months of tense calm during which my father continued to sleep in the den, 
his new plans pushed their marriage into its terminal phase. This time there was no hushed whisperings in what was now my mother's bedroom, followed by her screams and my father's retreat. The fighting occurred all over the house at all times of night and day. The last thing my father wanted to happen was my mother leaving him. For all his excitement about his idea, a few days or even a few hours of objection from my mother would have convinced him to back down. Amid my mother's yelling, my brother and I could hear him saying, Maybe you're right, and we could wait a while if you want. He was clearly about to reverse himself. But whenever he seemed to yield, my mother escalated her attacks on him. She was not going to let the opportunity pass. The very fact of him wanting to take out a second mortgage was the proof of my father's detachment from reality that she needed in order to finally say goodbye to him. Her nerves.